Hi, I'm Paul Johnson. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Life Support. God is okay when we're mad and we're angry and we're frustrated and we cry out. Sometimes we think, oh my gosh, I'm questioning my faith if I do that. I think God is a loving Father who already knows how we feel um, and loves us when we're in that kind of pain and we can be that honest with Him. Chris White and his wife Fran are the guests today with Pastor Paul Johnson as they discuss the pain of losing an adult child, but yet where they found hope in the process. Welcome to Life Support. Everything you do from then on is different. One of the detectives, I think his name was He was a golden boy. All we can do right now is come together. Extreme domestic violence, multiple rapes. So glad you're here on Life Support. And what we do on this program, it's a little bit different, but we tell stories. And we want you to find a deeper relationship with Jesus through suffering, through trauma. We understand that it's going to happen in this broken world we live in. And we also believe that within those times of stress, um, Jesus shows himself in a brand new way. And so that's why we're here. That's what we're doing. And we've got two great guests back with us, Chris and Fran White, who have this incredible story to tell. I'm I'm glad you're back. And just to do a quick recap, um, and you can correct me if I get any of this quick summary wrong, but um, they had what seemed to be a, a, a normal life, um, a daughter named Leanne who was in her mid-20s, yes. um, uh, who was diagnosed with breast cancer, also got pregnant, um, ended up going through the whole series of treatments and being declared uh, okay and then not okay. But in the midst of all of that, um, after losing her, here they were now with the son-in-law with their uh, premature child, trying to figure out how to make all of that work through the grieving, um, supporting your son-in-law. And so you were you were saying um, when we ran out of time that there was this um, effort to, to really speak into your son-in-law's life and say, listen, there's more for you than living here. God has other plans. God, you know, God made women for men and men for women. Mm -hmm. So tell me how you kind of had the foresight um, to begin to speak with him about those things, because I would think that would be a little awkward or at least a little bit um, scary because you don't really know where he's going to go with that. So tell me about that process. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think there's two parts to it. One is his readiness, and the other is managing with or dealing with the possible feelings of guilt that you're leaving your daughter behind because mm-hmm. because your life now is going to take on uh, new things that she's not there for and and so um you know early on there were a lot of you know late at night conversations between Fran and I around uh, equipping ourselves and praying for guidance from the Holy Spirit to communicate well with Ryan in a way where we're not pushing him out the door, uh, but uh, also for our own hearts and for our family's hearts to not be walking away from our daughter. We don't want to, you know, this, this, her memory is going to be with us forever, but she's not with us any longer. And, and as terrible as it is, our lives here on earth have to continue until God calls us home. So um, I would say a ton of prayer and reliance on the Holy Spirit uh, for the right words and timing. And Ryan was with us Ryan and Leo were with us for three years uh, after Leanne died, um, and so there's a lot of comfort. We have we have a great family where our whole all of our kids and grandkids are really comfortable with each other. So um, 
the ability to have a loving conversation about what's next where he doesn't feel like he's getting pushed out or making it more uncomfortable than it was going to be. Uh, we were able to do that, I think, predominantly because we just listened to the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. What, what's the right time? Mm-hmm. And, 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 uh, and where's Ryan and all that, right? Navigating, you know, he had a mm-hmm. new job and mm-hmm. a new reality and, and this two-and-a-half-year-old son that he was now probably scared to death he's going to have to raise on his own. Yep. So it was, it was really letting God control the timing on that. Yeah. And and so, Fran, you had been kind of a, a surrogate mother this whole time, and now all of a sudden there's this new woman that comes into the picture. Tell me how that happened and how you felt. I prayed from—Leanne shared with—her and Ryan never talked about Ryan getting remarried if she died because Leanne was going to be healed, and God healed her in heaven but not here on earth. And so um, I had started praying— when I possibly could start praying that God would bring another woman into Ryan's life, that he would find love again. He was young, and he deserved that. And my prayer was that she would um, not be threatened by Leanne's memory, not be threatened by her family, and be able to love Leo as her own. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I prayed that faithfully every mm-hmm. day for a long time. And I was volunteering at our church one day, handing out name tags for a woman's event, and I saw this name, and I was like, oh, that name looks familiar. I think Leanne played basketball with her. And so she came in, and um, I said, did you play basketball with Leanne? And she looked at my name tag, and she's like, oh, my gosh, I am so sorry. Mm. And she went on into the event, and I continued, you know, just to be there that weekend. And she came up to me, and she's like, I'm so sorry I wasn't there for um, Leanne during her cancer. And I'm like, hey, no needs to apologize. I said, but, you know, this was a two-day event, and this was Saturday. So I went home Friday, and I shared with Chris, and I continued to pray. And I just had a prompting, like, you really need to talk to her. And so I said to her, she came up to me when she apologized, and I said, you know, I don't know if anything will come of this, but Ryan lost Leanne, you know, and she, and so I think he's ready to find love again. And would you be open to that? She wa- and she said, let me think about that. And she came back to me and she said, yes, but I'm not going to wait. She, you know, they're in their 30s by now. Yeah. And she had never been married. And yep. I said, you know, okay, that's fine. Mm-hmm. And so the weekend ended and I never actually got her contact information. And I um, just kept praying and just trusting God. And Went through a couple months, and I just felt like, okay, friend, you need to figure out a way to contact her. She may be the one. So I found her as a friend of Leanne's on Facebook, and I messaged her, and we met for coffee. And um, she said, yes, I would be really open to meeting um, Ryan. Wow. And so and, you you kind of uh, you kind of brokered that whole uh, beginning there then. I did. Just through prayer and yep. through listening to God. Yep. And and so then I got her contact information, yeah. and I'm like, oh, Ryan and Leah are not living with us at the time. If they were, this would have been really easy. But I'm like, okay, God, open the door for him and me, just the two of us, to have some time together. On a random Thursday, he calls me, and he's like, hey, Fran, what are you doing for lunch? Can I come over? And I'm like, okay, I have your favorite food in the fridge. It was just the two of us. Leah was in school. And he came over, and we sat down at at the kitchen table, and I said, okay, Ryan, I think I have a woman for you to meet. And he's like, okay. 
I think I would be open. So we shared, you know, contact information. Ryan goes hunting. He goes to Mexico with his family. Another two months go by, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, what are you waiting for? She's not going to wait. Right? <laughs> two days after Christmas, he's like, hey, could you watch Leo so that I could meet Noel for coffee? And I'm like, sure. I'll only be gone a little bit. He came back three hours later with the biggest smile on his face. Wow. Wow. That's Nine so. months later, they were engaged. Nine months after that, they were ma- married. Wow. And they included us in that wedding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How, hard, how hard was that to <laughs> take your fingers off that? And, and I mean, you're, you're giving away and you're kind of regrieving, right? Through Very all much. of that? Yeah, you're uh, you're gonna you uh, you're gonna take third chair. Mm-hmm. So if you think a, a musical analogy here, right, first chair is gonna be first and second chair are gonna be the families of the new bride and groom. Third chair is gonna be this sort of unusual extended family, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, uh, we just we made friends with that. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't mean we always like it. Um, mm-hmm. But we respect it and understand it, and so we're appreciative when we have that opportunity to to be together. And and um, uh, Ryan and Noel and Leo have made it a priority to stay a part of our lives. We've made it a priority to be a part. <laughs> Literally last night for dinner, Ryan's hunting, so Noel and Leo were at our house for supper. Wow, that's great. Uh, but um, uh, it it does change, um, mm-hmm. and um, it's it's a byproduct of doing the right thing in Leo and, and Ryan having a life here on earth that, that they both deserve. Yeah. And so you I w- just have to accept that. I would guess, too, there's a tremendous amount of of um, trust in, in God's sovereignty and his ability then to to walk you through what was obviously his plan, not the plan you would have chosen, but that's where faith really comes to bear, right? It's, Absolutely. That's where all the things you've invested your whole life, and now all of a sudden you're kind of running on all that. That was the only thing we could cling to. Yeah. On the night of um, Ryan and Noel's wedding, our whole family was there, and our son sent out a text to our family, and he said, people are wondering how we could even be here today when this could. This is really painful for us to watch Ryan kind of move forward in his life and us to just be the bystanders, but it's only through the love of Christ mm-hmm. for them and for our support of them that we can do this. Mm-hmm. More from Pastor Paul and Chris and Fran in just a moment. This is Steve Johnson, Executive Director of Five Stone Media, a co-sponsor of this program. And we're excited to announce that musical artist Sarah Groves will be performing as a benefit of Life Support Resources. The date is February 24th and tickets are now on sale. If you're in the Twin Cities area, you can link to the tickets at fivestonemedia.com. That's spelled out, fivestonemedia.com. Also performing will be original music from Eagle Brook Music, and the MC for the night is comic Bob Stromberg. And now back to today's interview with Pastor Paul. Yeah, I think a lot of us would have just said, like, um, you know, um, you're, you're you're getting into my territory, you know, get lost, you know, you're not good enough for him and that kind of stuff, but you're better than I am. So you're, you're much more godly than I am. You would never write a text like that or even think those thoughts. Correct. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, you know, um, when you when you start with the fact that, that none of this is ours here on earth anyway, mm-hmm. and we're stewards of all of it, our children, our grandchildren, everything we have, 
um, they're gods, and he's got he's got his plan. Um, that doesn't make it easy to go through it. It just helps cope with everything everything that happens. And uh, you know, we've been blessed to build a life with our family where we're family first, and it matters. And uh, all those Sunday night mandatory family dinners pay off when when they're adults and and they stay connected to each other and it matters that their spouses get along Mm -hmm. um and you can hold you can hold together as best you can Mm -hmm. when you go through something terrible like this um but you also have to be obedient to what god has planned Mm -hmm. yeah it's you have to serve and you have to be selfless and that's of course goes against our nature i remember sitting in a a group, um, it was a homicide support group. And I thought, you know, I was sitting there with my wife thinking, like, what am I doing in a homicide support group? And um, there were other victims um, of violence there who had lost children or husbands or, or who, you know, wives. And these parents um, had lost their children 20, some of them 25 years ago. And they would talk about the incident and they would just weep. And and what I would have thought before we lost our son is, you know, you, you need to get over that at some point. Like, you know, like it's not healthy to be holding on to that. And how I've been humbled and taught by God that um, you never are to the point where you can put that aside and say, I'm totally healed. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you grapple with, you still don't, you know, you still lost your daughter through all this. You've got a lot of reminders around you all the time of her. It's not like you can just put it all in a closet. You've got a you know, grandson, you've got all of that. So on a day-to-day basis, how do you deal with that loss? What does that look like? I think uh, for me, I can't speak for Fran, um, I think you have to start with the fact that you're never going to get over that. And that a part of your everyday experience is going to be remembering and being reminded of, and in some cases shedding a tear, in other cases having a smile. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the tragedies of this is, and, and, and you can relate to this based on your own experience, is people expect you to get over it. They expect you to get well. They expect you to be better. Well, there is no, there is none of that. There's just a different way of living with what your new reality is. And I know that sounds real new agey. I don't mean it to. But your new reality is that your family, this side of heaven, is one short. Yep. And at every big event and at every moment when your mind is unoccupied, <clears throat> that's where you're going to go. Yep. And so you learn, <clears throat> excuse me, you learn how to put on your public game face mm-hmm. and go out in the world and execute. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then some days you just fall apart at home and in other days you don't make it to the event because you just can't. Mm-hmm. Can't put up with the small talk because it just doesn't. Line yeah, up on yeah, that day, right? every, yeah. And I, I found that, you know, you really get rewired through it, and your friends, you know, that go through it with you. Some of them they expect you to kind of return to the person that you, you were before. So they're kind of waiting for that. Like we want our, we want our fun friends. We want our, our friends that always did this or always said this, and we always went camping with them. Whatever. And then when they when they discover that their friends are different. And, you know, have no interest in those things or can't, then all of a sudden you find yourself at times isolated and alone. And you have to kind of find, figure out who your new friend group is going to be almost. Right, friend? It's that, like That is absolutely true. The friends that we thought, some of the friends that we thought would just stick with us through and through, we no longer see. 
but we do have new friends that have come along and will accept our brokenness and who we are and whether we can get out the door that day or whether at, you know, 10 minutes before we're supposed to be there, we're like, we just can't make it. Mm-hmm. They understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a gift because it, even now, you know, um, we lost our son about eight years ago. And um, there are days when, you know, our, our, our teenage boys, um, our, our older children, when you know, there are days when we just aren't functioning well. Mm-hmm. And very, very, very few people would I fr- feel free to say, you know, the reason I'm, I'm struggling is because of this. Because I just don't have a trust level with very many people. And so I've kind of learned to find the one yep. or the two and, and just rely on that. Because to think that everyone's going to understand is pipe dream. Yeah. And that's, it's kind of sad in a way, but it's also understandable. And right. so, uh, so I've also learned not to be angry and bitter about that because people are just in a different spot. Yeah, some of them, some, I think some, you know, we've philosophized. I don't even know if that's a word, but we're going to go with it. I like it. You like it's it? Good. Okay. So yeah. we've philosophized about this uh, <laughs> often. And we think some of our friends, because they just don't know what to do or they don't know what to say or, they, or, they, or they, this is just too big a deal to handle – have drifted away. Other friends uh, potentially feel guilty because they haven't had to experience this. And their child that was in the circle that Leanne was in is alive and well and thriving. And mm-hmm. and either because they feel guilty about that or they don't want us to feel bad because life is continuing on, they have a tendency to drift away. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of those different kinds of, of feelings going on. And, and in their defense, you know, it's confusing you know, they, they don't know what to say or, or, or how they should be feeling. And at the same time, it also gives you kind of a glimpse into the selfishness of, of our human mm-hmm. nature mm-hmm. because we really do want our worlds to serve us yeah. at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. We, I mean, we harbor no ill will uh, mm-hmm. to these folks at all. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we do our very best to understand, you know, where they're coming from and, and respect it. It's, we, have a, we have a different dynamic uh, in our life, and, and um, some folks can— handle that and come along with it and some folks can't and it's not up to us to judge the ones that can't yeah what would you say to the the person listening right now that maybe has a friend who's who's grieving or is walking alongside of someone going through a divorce or or some kind of major life change um how would you counsel that person the best way to walk alongside that person don't be afraid to show up just be there just you know what even Mm -hmm. if you have to come just just show up. You don't even have to use words. Just come and sit with them and mm-hmm. let them do the talking. Mm-hmm. But you then know. I would but then that goes against again our nature is to want to go there and and, and be wise and fix and uh we feel almost a responsibility like yeah, I was over at Joe's house. What'd you do? Well, we just watched TV for 2 hours. Well, it doesn't sound very very helpful when maybe that's exactly what Joe needed. You know, and I think I hear that from so many so many people have lost is is just want presence. Yep. That's when, all, just presence. The 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 um the loneliness of just sitting in your house yeah. with your own thoughts can be can be paralyzing. Yeah. Maybe maybe is the right word. Yeah. Um but having a trusted friend there that's not saying a word. Um, or is maybe engaging in, you know, light commentary about whatever sporting event you're sure. watching. Yep. To some degree, it takes, it takes your mind off it, and, and it gives you a chance to breathe, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm. and, and, um, but folks feel compelled to say something profound. 
Uh, we just finished a study of Job, and I'm, I, 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 oh, loved, yeah, I love this good. analogy. So there's, there's old Job, and he gets drilled, right? Yeah. And, uh, his, and Job was well-respected, wise, right? So these three friends come along. They're also very wise and very smart, and they were wise until they opened their mouths. That's right. So for seven days, they sat there and said nothing. And then Job spoke about his pain, and then they spent the, the rest of the book telling Job about how wrong he was, which is a perfect example of what not to do. Yeah. Yeah, the don't. first seven days they sat there and they just commiserated and yeah. and and then listened to Job, and that's I think that's the best example of what to do. And what you know while you're there, if the laundry's piled up or if the dishes yeah. are in the sink or what, just go and do. But there's nothing that needs to be said. Right. I saw you looked right at me when you said the laundry's piled up. <laughs> I, I was sharing um, in between programs that um, we had a bit of a laundry room issue after my first wife passed away and. I never really got a handle on that, so um, we'll remember that now. That that's the one takeaway for everyone here is you know it, you know don't let Paul ever touch your laundry. Mm-hmm. All right, so okay, final question for both of you. Through all of this you've been through, through through death, grieving, through uh, change, through giving up, through discovering new places in your family and your new roles, what's the biggest thing you've learned about God? Fran, you first. What what is the, would you say would be the takeaway about what you've learned about God? God's always there for me, no matter what. Friends can fail me. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I don't have the energy just to make, just to do the next best thing, but I know that God can give me that strength, and he'll never let me down. Yeah, that's good. What about you, Chris? I think, uh, I think two things. One, I go back to Leanne's statement, God's got this. It's, it's three simple words that summarize all of who God is. On, on on this earth, uh, and I think the other thing is that uh, that God is okay when we're mad, and we're angry, and we're frustrated, and we cry out. Sometimes we think, "Oh my gosh, I'm questioning my faith if I do that." I think God is a loving Father who already knows how we feel, um, and loves us when we're in that kind of pain, and we can be that honest with Him. Mm-hmm. Would you both um, agree with the statement that through all of the suffering, pain, change? That you know God at a deeper level now? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And so you, you obviously would love to have your, your your daughter back and so forth, but in a general sense, would you trade these experiences in that new depth with God for what you've learned about God? I don't think so, because it, that was never our decision anyway. Right. Yeah, that's right. right. Uh, that's Le- right. Leanne's, Leanne's life was ordained the day mm-hmm. she was conceived. Yep. And her days were numbered. Um, uh, How God uses what we've learned and the depth of uh, awareness of him Mm -hmm. will will be to his glory. Uh, But we don't get to decide if we can have her back. Yeah. So it's not worth spending the time on. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you both so much. You've given us some real wisdom. And thanks for sharing your heart. And this is not the easiest things to talk about. So. Thank you very much for coming by and, and letting us uh, get an insight into some of the things you've experienced. You're Appreciate welcome. it very much. You're welcome. You know, God is um, God is always there, and they've 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 talked about that. They've talked about that. They've learned that about God. And um, Paul said in Romans eight eighteen, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that we will be revealed in us. And Paul was well aware of the fact that um, though he suffered greatly. And he was open about that, and he talked about that, not only physical suffering, but his mental anguish and, the, and the, whatever that thorn was that he couldn't shake. 
he knew it was going somewhere. He knew that God was taking him to a place. And so he was very, very much assured that the suffering he was experiencing now is, is not going to be anything compared to the glory that's waiting for the believer. And so I want to encourage you that you may be in a lot of pain right now. You may feel isolated. You may feel alone. You may feel hopeless. You may wake up on some days and think to yourself, I can't go another day. Does anybody really care about me? Does anybody even know I'm here? You may be struggling with those types of things. And what I would encourage you to do is just hang on to the promises of God. And you could even go and just Google promises of God. And, and, and they'll come up and you can just read through them and begin to gird yourself with some of these. And this one is a good one because it helps us understand that what we're experiencing now is not just a random event. God is using it for his glory. He's going to take us to a place that is unimaginably wonderful. And so that's the, the glory of who God is. I want to thank you for listening. And I want to thank our, our partners that make life support possible. Faith Radio, great partners, myfaithradio.com. Uh, Five Stone Media. You can see a video version of this podcast there at fivestonemedia.com. You can always check us out here at Ridgewood Church as well. We're in Minnetonka, Minnesota, myrwc.org. So thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time on Life Support. Thank you, Pastor Paul. And just a reminder that we're excited to announce musical artist Sarah Groves performing as a benefit of Life Support Resources. February 24th is the date, and tickets are now on sale at www.fivestonemedia.com. Life Support is a co-production of Five Stone Media and Ridgewood Church in Minnetonka, Minnesota. listening to this life support podcast these conversations are available because of listener support you can make a gift now at myfaithradio.com to avoid missing future editions of life support subscribe to the podcast today at itunes or your podcast player and thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and grow the impact of life support